and welcome to Fawns and Fauna, a podcast about creatures real or otherwise. I'm your host, Cody Conklin. And I'm your host, Ash Conklin. Well, Ash, see any good animals recently? Um, I don't think so. The only animals that I typically see are the animals that our daughter plays with. What animals have you seen this week, honey? Well, we had a giant three-foot-long black snake show up at work the other day. That's Uninvited. a fun. Well, it's still fun. They're not bad. They're, they're great. They eat the rodents. Yeah, and, and they're not venomous. And they play an important part. Was it at um, the warehouse where the dogs are? No. Oh, okay, that's good. No, but it was inside. But, like, it's been so hot. Yeah. So he... He must have just like slithered in when mm-hmm. no one was paying attention. He was under a pallet that I guess like my dad went to move. Oh. So he got a good scare. Well. Without, let's just jump into it. All right. So today's episode for my creature, I am doing a creature that was suggested to me by my brother. So shout out to Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, today I'm going to be covering mayflies. Ew. <laughs> we got Gross. our first bug. <laughs> okay. Um, so a couple of fast facts for you. They are aquatic insects. There is over 3,000 species of mayfly. Um, and they are in the same order as dragonflies. They have ancestral traits that were probably passed down from the first ever flying insects, which are um, that they have like long tails Mm -hmm. and not just like the abdomen part, but they have like actual tails Mm -hmm. and wings that don't fold over their abdomen. So like ladybugs and stuff like that. Their wings are kind of like butterflies Mm -hmm. where they like stay up. And another fun thing is that their immature forms are called naiads or nymphs. Well, I think that's the only thing I'm going to like about them. They're actually pretty cool and really interesting, and they don't really do much. Well, they do a lot, but, like, not to us. So these aren't the ones that grow inside of people? No. Those okay. are botflies. Okay. That's what I thought. That's why I was so grossed out oh, by them. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I take back all the bad things I said. <laughs> uh, so moving into the anatomy... Um, so for the nymphs, which is the babies, okay, so picture rice pilaf. Okay. You know those, like, long, flat yes. guys? So that's kind of what they look like. Uh-huh. Um, and it molts, like, really frequently, and they grow with each molt. Mm-hmm. The final form of the nymph mayfly ranges from 3 to 30 millimeters, so they're not very big. No. They have a head, um, which, ha- well, they have a head. Surprise. That's good. Good for them. <laughs> so their head has a tough layer of sclerotin. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's basically like the same material that makes up a horn. Oh, And weird. so they have like a helmet basically on I their like head. These guys. Yeah. So they also have two compound eyes, which are like the typical bug eyes that mm-hmm. you would think of. And then they have three simple eyes, which. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought they were kind of braggadocious with their whole having a head thing. <laughs> then they have three simple eyes. Well, so it gets even better. They don't do anything. They're literally just eye 
markings. Like they don't have a cornea or anything like that. They are just markings that look like eyes that serve no purpose. So they have like little freckles that look like eyes? Yes. And they have three of them. On their on their faces. On their forehead. On their forehead. Yeah. Okay. So they also have a pair of antenna. Busy and face. Yeah, it gets busier. <sighs> <laughs> So their mouth has a labrum, which is essentially just like a bug lip. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that bugs have lips. Um, they have a pair of mandibles, a pair of maxillae, maxillae, I don't, I don't know, know, but they're basically just like how they taste food. Okay. And then a uh, hypopharynx and a labium, which both help with the manipulation of food and the ability to swallow. That's a lot going on. Yeah. So that's their that's like... three to 30 millimeters. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. They also have a three-segment thorax and a 10-segment abdomen. Sick 10-pack, dude. <laughs> um, and because they're aquatic and live in the water, they have up to seven pairs of gills. Why do these guys have so much going on? I don't know, but they're also like so small and they have so much going on. Oh, so this is still the nymphs. Yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, their abdomen ends in three little tails. So it's like, what? Like, it's like when you, you take a picture, but they like move, you know? Yeah. Like a panorama. No, no, no. And you like, yeah, the thing shows up a couple times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what happened when these things were like printed out. Yeah. They were kind of (laughs) squirming and it's like, they're supposed to have one tail and it's like, had three when I sent them down. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so the next, like, maturity level for them, like, the teenager stage for them is called the sub-imago, sub-imago, um, which is, like I said, essentially the teenager stage, and (laughs) they are essentially an adult, like, they have all of their, like, adult parts, including their wings, but... They are, they still need to develop more. Like, their limbs aren't fully developed. They are sexually immature and they're dull in color. Very much like teenagers. <laughs> um, but what is unique to mayflies that other insects don't have is that they molt again once they have their wings. Wait, I thought they had their wings. They do. And then they molt again. Oh. That's unique to them opposed to other insects. Huh. Yeah. So the imago, which is the um, mature mayfly, they have non-functioning mouth parts and their digestive tract is full of air. So they don't eat anymore when they become adults? Correct. And we'll get into that later. Well, I heard a story about this Russian lady who said she could live on air. It didn't end well for her. Well, it also doesn't end super great for the mayfly. Let's tuck in. Uh, So the males also have large eyes and really long front legs to help them locate and grasp females during mating. Mm, Come here. Look at these long (laughs) gams I got here. You see these, Susan? They do anything for you? Look at my knees and how they wiggle. It reminds me of how the polar bears have the long foreleg fur. Oh, yeah. To attract the females. But this is much more of like they need. Yeah. We'll get into it, though. Um, it's Just not like as creepy as it seems. Flies. <laughs> 
Um, so now moving into their life and behavior, I'm going to try and pronounce this word correctly, but I'm probably not going to. So they are hemimetabolous, which means that they have an incomplete... It, so hemimetabolous means incomplete metamorph, um, which just means what I said before, where they molt again after they have wings, mm -hmm. which is unique to the mayfly. Um, and mayflies at their sub-imago stage are the delicacy to fish, and many fishing flies are actually designed to replicate the mayfly hmm. at that stage. So a crazy thing about the mayfly, and I'll post a video of this in the show notes, there are like, every generation hatches simultaneously. Oh, weird. Yeah. So, the entire population of that generation will hatch at one time. Weird. Yeah. It's crazy. And like I said, I'll put a video of it in the show notes. It's... Weird. <laughs> that is thought to be an adaptive strategy to reduce the risk of them being eaten because they are such like oh, desirable prey really cool. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um and so like if you have hundreds and hundreds of other flies around you the likelihood of a bat or a bird or a fish or whatever coming and eating you is a lot less likely yeah versus so. it being like staggered and stuff that's really yeah. cool so their lifespan as an adult is super super short typically 24 hours well um which kind of goes back to they're not getting food right so. but um even without the food their lifespan would still be that short no that's what that's um, what i mean like yeah they're not getting food so they don't have anything to sustain their little bodies well also like they don't that has nothing really to do with it well, okay so the dolania americana has a female adult lifespan of less than five minutes whoa yeah so, like I said, food doesn't really play a role mm -hmm. in their adult lifespan. Um, so, the male adults typically swarm and do, like, a courtship dance where they kind of, like, bob up and down in the air. With those and, long legs. Yeah. And the females will fly into the swarms and mate in midair, which is why they need the legs to, like, mm, okay. hold on to them. Um, and then the females lay between 400 to 3,000 eggs. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, they usually drop them onto the surface of the water, but sometimes the females will dip the abdomen into the water and kind of like, you know those like motorboats or jet skis where they're like yeah. on the water? That's kind of what the female does hmm. um, where she'll like be skirting along the water mm -hmm. um and like release a batch each mm -hmm. time her abdomen hits the water um and incubation for the eggs varies from days to almost a year wow and part of it is dependent on the temperature but other than that scientists don't really know why it varies so much hmm. um the nymphal stage of the mayflies can last from several months to several years wow yeah so but that depends on species and environmental conditions so yeah they primarily live in streams few species live on lakes and the ones that do boy howdy are they some 
wild boys. So the hexagenia species emerged in 2003 on a lake with such fervor that it registered on Doppler radar. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Like, it literally was like inclement weather, mayflies swarming. (laughs) That's dense. So, these insects are mostly herbivores, but some species will snack on smaller insects. Like, I don't know what other small insects live in the water, but like maybe water striders, I don't know, um, or like bugs that get caught up on the surface, like gnats and Mm. stuff like that. Um, But they mostly sup on algae and what have you. Um, A really cool thing about them is their involvement in the environment and what they do for it. Um, So they burrow in the sediment and filter feed. And this is a quote that I got from trusty old wikipedia quote the act of filter feeding has a small impact on water purification but an even larger impact on the convergence of small particulate matter of a more complex form that goes on to benefit consumers later in the food chain end quote and so basically the mayflies will like i said filter feed Mm -hmm. and the way that their gills like pump Mm -hmm. and stuff it creates currents in the water that helps move the silt up and into the water and distributes the nutrients that's it yeah it's crazy so they will like spread the nutrients of the soil throughout the water and that helps to purify the water and it also helps to get the nutrients to the other organisms that are in the water it's bonkers they're really helpful Wow, they are like really dense then when they're in an area to be able to kick up the sediment like that. Yeah, well, I mean, they literally show up on the Doppler radar. Like, and um, we'll watch the video later of them hatching. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Like, when I saw it, it literally reminded me of the plague of locusts from Egypt. Not that I was, I said that like I was there. I wasn't there. (laughs) But like how I imagine, or in the Prince of Egypt, like that Uh scene, it is very similar (laughs) to that. And it actually is um, such that it is a tourist spectacle in some places where people will come and travel to watch them hatch. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. So you can predict within Mm -hmm. some okay yeah so there are some where they like have it down to the time of day oh wow yeah like a lot of times it is in twilight or sunset Mm -hmm. um and usually it happens between july and august okay and they are distributed all over the world sans antarctica so they can be found literally everywhere yeah there's one of the biggest tourist events is actually in turkey so are they considered they're not considered invasive right um i didn't see anything that okay. said that so uh but there's also like over three thousand species of mayflies oh, yeah. so all right so now we are going to move into the human relations portion good old plenty the elder whom you will all know from uh, sawbones um he called them river bugs which i thought was really fun and that's literally all I have about him. So, well. <laughs> But the final note that I'm going to be ending on for Mayflies, it's a doozy. So buckle up. Buckled. All right. So June 13th to 14th 
It was a weekend in 2015 in Pennsylvania across the Columbia-Wrightsville Bridge, which goes over the Susquehanna River. <laughs> okay. What? That's just where I'm from, so. Well, see, that's why when I saw it, I was like, oh boy, I gotta include this. Okay. Just picture it. Yep. It's a I hot summer day. exactly the spot. Yep. So the bridge had to close due to traffic caused by not just impaired visibility, but obstructions produced by piles of mayfly corpses. What? There had been a hatching of mayflies that was so intense that not only did it cause impaired visibility across this bridge, but so many of the mayfly corpses had piled up that there were traffic obstructions on said bridge. So they needed like a snowplow to come through to remove the bugs from the bridge? I'm guessing. Essentially, like yeah. if a car couldn't drive through it. A car could it? not drive through it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Like, I cannot imagine. Like, I really can't imagine no. what that would be like. Yeah. And, like, how high the piles would yep. have to be. Because, like, I think about driving through snow. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you want to be careful if you see, like, a big chunk of snow because you don't know if rocks are in it or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, if there's a few inches, you just keep going, you know? But, like... Easy on the brakes, easy on the gas. How thick were these piles of mayfly corpses that it literally was traffic obstructions. And tonight, as we were driving home, there was a huge rainstorm. And yes, I had my wipers on, so I was able to see. Mm -hmm. I would say that visibility was not optimum, Mm -hmm. but like I was able to drive completely fine. How bad and thick was this cloud of mayflies to cause impaired visibility to where it was like causing traffic? Well... I'm guessing thick enough to be registered on a Doppler radar, maybe. Hey. Yeah. So. Maybe. So that is all I have on the mayfly. Well. What creature do you have for me today, honey? Well. I got something extra special. I'm excited. I think so far my favorite creature that you've covered is the Rainfall Boys. So I'm excited to see what you have. Well, get ready for your new favorite. Ah, I'm so excited. And by that, I mean get ready for the one I'm going to talk about now. <laughs> Introducing the Groot Slang. The what? The Groot Slang. Groot? Groot Slang, also known as the Groat Slang. Is it German? It is Afrikaans and Dutch. Oh. Meaning the big snake. Oh. So the Groot Slang, which is how I'm just going to say it because... Okay. I don't know better. Uh, it's said to be a huge elephant-sized serpent. Wait, 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 wait. Like its girth is elephant-sized? We'll get to it. Oh my gosh. Dwells in the caves of Richtersfeld in South Africa. The name of its cave is the Wonder Hole. Oh, is it now? Also known as the Bottomless Pit. I think we should stick with that one. Well... So this is literally like a basilisk type thing. I have pictures. Okay. And they will be posted on the Instagram. Well, be fair warning for children and sensitive viewers. Okay. Wait, like what kind of warning? It's kind of scary. Okay. Supposedly this cave connects to the sea, which is 64 kilometers or 40 miles away. Yeah. Oh. And so it's just like this deep cave that people... 
I'm sure at this point have explored, mm-hmm. maybe not, but they're just like, it goes for forever, we don't know, it connects to the ocean, which is 40 miles away. So, the origin of the Groot slang. It is a creature who, according to legend, is as old as the world itself. Oh! So, according to African legend, as the gods are creating the world, very new, like, one of the first things they whip up is the Groot slang, which turned out to be... Were they, like, in a very bad mood? Who knows? Maybe, (laughs) you know, they had one too many. It's like, I'm gonna make a big old whale guy, and they're like, Idiot, watch this. <laughs> Jim Guess where it lives. Out. Wonderhole. <laughs> so, brand new to the whole creating life thing, they conjure up the Groot slang and they gave it tremendous strength, but also cunning and intellect. Oh! Well, we'll get into some of the downfalls of that. Almost immediately, they realized that this was a terrible mistake. A bad creature. And so what they did was they decided to split it into two separate creatures and they created the elephant and the snake. So this is when I'll show you pictures of the Groot slang. This is the very first picture I saw when I looked it up. Imagine an elephant, but it has just the mouth goes behind its ears and it has like a massive like Pennywise mouth with razor sharp teeth. And the entire body is a giant serpent. Like, I would guess the picture is like six meters or um, six feet in diameter. So imagine the elephant and where its trunk meets its face. That is where the mouth is. So the trunk is on its chin and the mouth is in between that and the rest of its face. And there are tusks that are really long. And ears, and then where the elephant's, like, neck and shoulders would be, not only does the mouth continue, but it also turns into a giant snake. That's horrifying. Yeah. It's shown up in, like, pop culture. It's been on, like, TV shows and stuff. And I'll show a picture of what it looked like on that show really quick. Because it changes from, like, depiction to depiction of some of them being really terrifying. And some of them, it's just, like, a giant elephant. Like, they favor the elephant side, and it has, like, horns coming out of its head, and then tusks, and then fangs. That's just an elephant with some extra horns. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a vampire elephant. Yeah. So that's what it looks like. Very but, scary. So the the gods, getting back on track, were like, this thing is bad. Like, we need to do something. So they split it, and they make the elephant and the snake. But one or two of the originals get away before they divide them and hides out in the wonder hole. Mm, Wonderful for them. And so I I mentioned that it was powerful, but also intelligent and cunning. Yeah. It's also known for being extremely cruel. Well, that tracks. Because it will lure people and elephants to its cave and eat them for reasons you can imagine to eat them yes oh that's so sad yeah but i I guess it's like a a thing of like out of spite basically for like you know well it's their own fault that they tried to hide that they were bad no it's their own fault that they like if they're in spite that they like 
are mad at the elephants because they get to just be elephants. It's like, that's your own fault, dude. Well, it's not their fault. The The gods created them and then we're like, oops, we messed up. Undo it. And then he's like, but I'm here. Like, I have consciousness. Like, you're going to try and rip me in half and divide me into two creatures? No, thank you. Well. Well. <laughs> anyway. So, we've already talked about the, the depictions. Uh, most of them do tend to favor a more serpentine appearance Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times it will be depicted with having orange gems in its eyes oh which uh according to tales the groot slang covets gems uh particularly diamonds and despite its lust for cruelty you can actually if you're ever cornered by one or anything you can bargain with it if you like have diamonds or some kind of gems to exchange for it or exchange for your freedom wait so it it's not just cruel because it's mad it like craves being cruel yeah yucky yeah it's a big mean guy but like that if you got diamonds well um and so its cave is actually said to be like chock-a-block full of diamonds and other precious things like the cave of wonders from aladdin yeah but it's so well guarded that no one's ever gotten in and gotten out to tell about it. I mean, yeah. There you go. Um, so modern sightings of the bee suggest that it could be... How modern? You know, massive. Um, all the way up to the 60s. Whoa! Yeah. Um, in the 60s, I think it was like 63, some South African newspaper started like publishing a lot of sightings. Wow. I, mean, I don't know if they've continued into today. Well, you know what? It was the 60s. That kind of tracks. 60s, <laughs> but yeah, there people were saying that they've seen it up to 50 feet long. And the trails that it leaves are usually about three feet across. Wow. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Like, they just find it. And it's in the desert. So it's just you find this giant track relatively undisturbed by anything and then it just disappears into the river yeah i hate that a lot other sightings claim that they've seen footprints like an elephant's footprint no no, no, no. three feet wide also so a meter across oh and they also disappear into the river interesting and there aren't really supposed to be elephants in that area i think so do you think that they are like mating and their offspring is kind of like in flux yeah so it's like how like if dogs or cats breed and one's a black cat and one's a white cat and like some will be more black than white and white than black yeah and also like just after all this time of just inbreeding because it like the legend says one or two got away yeah so that brings us to our sighting for the Groot slang. The, I'm excited. Our, our story. I'm ready. Our interaction story. I'm scared. My butthole is really puckered right now. I'm really scared. <laughs> so this comes from the website Africa africaroadtravel.com. One of the better known stories about Groot slang centers on the disappearance of Oxford educated English businessman and explorer Peter Grayson. On his way to Richtersfeld to South Africa, he and six companions are about to head out on a, an excursion, and he proclaims before heading out, I'm determined to return to England, a very rich man or a dead man. So he, well, I guess he would be returning to England in a casket, but... Well... Does he not return? Naturally, it didn't take long before tragedy struck. On the first night of camp, 
a lion killed one member of his crew. He only had six in himself. Killed one member of his crew and seriously injured another member. Oh. A few days later, a third person died from a poisonous bite. We're not sure if it was an insect or a snake or whatever. Mysterious poisonous bite, third team member down. So this mission is cursed from the beginning. The fourth member of the expedition becomes sick and is begging them to return him to civilization. Mysterious illness comes over him after three of the other, two of them die, one is seriously injured. Fourth is begging them to take him back. So the final two team members carry him back to the nearest town, leaving Grayson alone in the middle yeah and as he's leaving he shouts after them i quote i can do this on my own can you bud i don't know i'm gonna this is directly from the website and that was the last time the unfortunate mr grayson was seen or heard from. (laughs) i don't mean to laugh at his demise but just like the presumptive arrogance is just well you see it right from the beginning yeah this man coming from england oxford educated successful businessman thinks i'm gonna conquer africa that's the thing is like i feel like a lot of times people like you see this a lot in like books and movies where super educated people will go into like really rural or like tribal land Mm -hmm. and just assume that their education is going to save them and literally everyone around them is like this is a terrible idea and it winds up going very poorly like like people do not live in the place you're going and there is a reason for that yeah it's literally like in the diatlov pass when they went on this trail to a place literally called don't go here yeah like (laughs) so so a week after the crew gets back they send out a search party okay for him and all they found was a deserted a deserted campsite and no signs of any no signs of struggle no signs of him nothing wow and according to locals it was the Groot Slang that got him. I mean, hey, I'll buy it. That's all I got. That's the Groot Slang. That's terrifying. Yeah. Well, if anybody needs a palate cleanser, um, good luck, because I don't have one. <laughs> we also want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and if you guys like the show, please feel free to rate and review it. Um, share it with your friends. We really appreciate it. And as I mentioned for my creature, it was a suggestion from my brother. So if you guys have any creatures that you would like us to cover, DM us on Instagram, tweet us, or you can email us. All of those links will be in the show notes. Um, I'm also going to include pictures of all of these creatures on our Instagram. Thank you guys so much. I do want to encourage you guys and remind you all that you're doing a great job. And if you're having a bad day, remember, at least you don't have teeth in your butt. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.